day to you, fine podcast listeners. Welcome to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week, we've captured the elusive Jeff Chonchaloon, owner and chef of Ma Dare and recent James Beard Award nominee. But first, our entirely too topical question of the week. We asked you, what is your favorite locally owned restaurant and what should we order when we go there? First up, Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. Um, I don't know how to answer this question because <laughs> all of my favorite restaurants are locally owned, right? I mean, I love the food scene here um, in Oklahoma. It's amazing. And so like to try to narrow it, I remember Greg, you and I were somewhere and someone came up. Do you remember this? And someone was like, what's the best restaurant in Oklahoma? Like, remember, yeah. do you remember this, this guy, he was like really like in our faces about what the best restaurant in Oklahoma was. And we were like, we don't know. What's your favorite one. Um, I do love Madeira quite a bit. And if we go, we're definitely ordering those um, fried chicken wings. Oh, those yeah. are amazing. Holy cow. Um, but I've actually got some friends coming in um, later this week for Woody Fest, some poets from out of town. Um, and two of them, my friends, Cassie and Suzanne, are vegetarians. So we're going to go to Picasso Ooh. because they have such a great vegetarian menu. Yes, they do. So, yeah. All right. Managing editor Carly Ibarra. This is really hard because uh, there's so many local restaurants that I love, obviously, but I feel like the one I've been going to the most lately is Couscous on uh, Lake May and 63rd. Um, and I always get the same thing because it's amazing. And that's the the vegetarian trio with Zaluk, which is like, um, uh, yeah, roasted eggplant dip, uh, dolma and falafel. Yeah, good stuff. They also have not, you know, I don't know how authentic you can say any of that is, but a Euro burrito at yes. Couscous is mm-hmm. so they also good. Have, they also have a falafel burrito if you're a vegetarian, and yes. that one's really good too. And it comes with two full burritos, so you get lunch and dinner. And then I always order spicy hummus for dipping. Oh yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, because you can't get enough chickpea in your life. Let's be honest. I'm adding uh, this place to food worth to drive for next year. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, photo editor Megan Rossman, do you enjoy food? <laughs> no, I hate it. <laughs> I only drink slim fast shakes. You're a liar. Um, actually, a place I feel like I am always talking to people about and a particular dish, which Carly experienced firsthand recently, is the um, cauliflower bread pudding at Cheevers, which I know that that name, it does not immediately sound appealing, but it is delicious. It's like a big hunk of cheesy, savory bread pudding that's served with lentils and crispy Brussels sprouts with like a red pepper sauce. And it is, mm. it is just one of my favorite things to eat in Oklahoma City. And I feel like everyone who eats it is like, this is very good. Yeah, I mean, it was delicious. You- Okay. Very good. Yeah. You are correct. Also that pecan ball, that ice cream pecan ball. Yeah. Well, and my favorite of their desserts is the enormous piece of chocolate cake that can feed like four people. Yeah. There's voice Meg. That restaurant is amazing. I love that restaurant and I've never eaten anything there that was not good. So what about you, Greg? Well, uh, as you might be aware, I'm quite enthusiastic about locally owned restaurants. Yeah, but uh, the, so. the McDonald's at 23rd and Robinson doesn't count. 
<laughs> oh no okay well mm, sorry let's hey. i'm gonna roll this <laughs> I'm i know we're all pretty big fans of that mcdonald's <laughs> well um i i tried to think locally as in uh edmund since that's where i spend most of my time and uh i decided to go with a classic for me uh which is hobbies hoagies um started in the 90s by a guy named george hobson who came from delaware uh it, the sandwich shop has a special place in my heart uh for decades now uh a, a special clogged place in my heart um uh because the two must-haves i always recommend the uh special italian uh, which is just all the great cured meats and cheeses uh, and lettuce and tomato and this this uh, spicy uh, cherry pepper relish. Not, not it's like tangy, not spicy. It's so good. And they also just make my favorite Philly cheesesteak, which has like lettuce and tomatoes and pickles, which a lot of people don't like. And if you don't want it, you can say don't put it in there. I love like you get these bites that are it's like the beef juice and the steak and the cheese and it's just perfect. And then that's hot. And then you get that like cool, crisp lettuce and tomato. Oh my God. So good. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Um, we had so many responses. And first of all, I'd like to say thanks uh, to the folks at the, uh, at the red bee in Idabel who, uh, who quoted our, uh, our, our post and put it on their Facebook page. Art marketing got a ton of. Uh, I mean, they have they've got very the place is uh, great. ardent followers. Yeah, there's a reason why it's an amazing restaurant. It really is. So uh, um, most of them uh, recommended the chicken fried steak. A lot of other folks from Ida Bell, which I guess is maybe uh, Oklahoma's new food capital, uh, recommended Fat Tabs Barbecue uh, so with good. our our friend Tab Singleton, uh, and uh, yeah. So um, anyway, Nate, whenever you want me to head to Idabel for a food story, you let me know. I'm on the way. I have already assigned Carly. Oh, <laughs> no, I haven't. She just gave me the funniest look over Zoom. I wish you guys could have seen it. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Our buddy Jerry Bennett uh, said the Paddy Wagon, uh, which is one of our favorites. Very close to you, oh, so Nate. Good. Uh, their Jailhouse Blues Burger, second to none. Their buns, their fries, everything. And I, I agree. I wrote the story about their fries recently, and oh my gosh, best fries in the state. I think. I think and maybe the best hamburger beer. buns in the state too. Yeah. What'd you say, Meg? And good root beer. Yes. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tammy Click said El Placio and Duncan, and she recommends the Chili Rellenos. Uh, Andrea Walker Rudy said Johnny's charcoal broiler in Oklahoma city. And she loves the onion rings, which is, which uh, that is a, a, a really great choice. They have those super thick onion rings, really tall. And they're the sweet onions. They're great. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, our friends at Magoo's Attic in Oklahoma City recommended uh, Piatto Italian Kitchen. Uh, mm. Said you should start with the roasted gnocchi and then try the lamb ossobuco. Oh, yeah. And in the summers, if I remember correctly, they have a chilled peach soup, which Ooh. is amazing Ooh. so good oh. um let's see Rhonda williams said enrique's in ponca city great so uh, good it's, so fun. it's at the airport it's so fun yeah uh mike Doty uh had a bunch toledo's mexican restaurant in mustang catfish cove in yukon dairy mart in union city uh primo's in yukon and luigiano's in uh, mustang ronnie and i ate at dairy martin union city that place is good it is yeah yeah 
Uh, Rhonda, Cumming, Rhonda Cunningham called out Kilkenny's Irish Pub on Cherry Street uh, and said that you have to try their Dunmore Strawberry Beef Filet. Uh, let's see. Uh, Julie Dan- Danley Snyder voted for Clicks in Pawnee, delicious steaks uh, and homemade pies. Uh, Larry Thomas mentioned a place I've been eager to try the Pizza Corral in Elgin. Uh, I follow their Facebook page and they have just really interesting and amazing sounding specialty pizzas. Um, let's see. Uh, Rusty Barrel in Ponca City, Stagecoach in Newkirk. Uh, uh, both of those got uh, calls from uh, Ruth Sloan Lessert, a woman after my own heart who loves steak that much. Um, <laughs> I want a uh, special thanks to Rob Robbins for suggesting Hamburger King in Shawnee and recommending the hamburger. Uh, okay. So, yeah, well, I let him know that it, uh, how thank thankful you for that, we Rob, because otherwise we'd get the lobster bisque. Right. I was going to say uh, Folgers drive in and Ada uh, got a shout out from Sandra Horton. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda Dunlap music uh, said Simon's catch in Merritt, Oklahoma, the best steaks and catfish around. Uh, this was another record setter for us. Uh, we had more than 300 comments on Facebook. If you are looking for local restaurant recommendations anywhere in the state, head over to our Facebook page, Oklahoma Today, uh, facebook.com slash Oklahoma Today. Uh, quite a list to choose from. Uh, and now, speaking of uh, some of our favorite restaurants, let's talk to our friend, Mr. Jeff Chonchaloon, about uh, his Lao restaurant, Madere. And we are very pleased to welcome in our friend and chef, Jeff Chonchaloon, uh, who uh, was recently featured in our magazine uh, with a story about his restaurant, Madere. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure yet, th- explain what uh, what Madere is. So Madere is a lit. Laotian restaurant, um, family run, um, really kind of first of its kind as far as a full-blown Lao restaurant. Um, a lot of people aren't familiar with it, but Lao food is very similar to Northern Thai food. So Southeast Asian flavors, but we eat very funky, very bold, savory, and spicy. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, Laos is, uh, is landlocked. Is that right? It is landlocked in between Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia to the south. So I've always kind of understood that that Lao cuisine in many ways is um, is, first of all, based more on uh, chicken, pork, beef, things like that, land animals uh, because of the lack of uh, uh, ocean. But also uh, that you guys um, uh, that Laos the cuisine is influenced heavily by its neighbors. Correct. And, you know, the only fish we really eat is catfish from the Mekong river or whatever other, you know, white fish there is in the river. Yeah. And they, they've got some like killer uh, catfish in the Mekong, right? Uh, we yeah. had a story uh, in the magazine a couple of years back. And I just remember these like tales of these enormous catfish in the Mekong and being like, wow, those, those could maybe eat a person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and like you said, you know, influence from our neighboring countries, but you know, our, a lot of our food, you know, kind of got lost in migration, you know, uh, with the French coming in, uh, colonizing it, you know, Laotians migrated up north into Isan, Thailand, and then, you know, trickled down into like central Thailand. So like papaya salad, 
the lap, sticky rice, all kind of got lost, but made popular by the Thai, but originated in Laos. Oh, okay. Well, um, so kind of to go back a little bit, how, how did you get started in the restaurant industry? Was this a family thing? Yeah, pretty much a family thing. I was pretty much born into a kitchen. You know, my father was a chef whenever I was born. He went through the uh, ACF, so American Culinary Federation. He did an apprenticeship under that program for two years. So he's classically trained, uh, worked at some of, you know, the best restaurants back in the day, like the Sand Plum, uh, Eagle's Nest, uh, Michael's Supper Club, way back in, you know, the 80s, 90s. And then I've, you know, I worked my way through high school and college, hoping I would get out of the industry because I was <laughs> in it for so long. You know, I was at the restaurant seven days a week, washing dishes, busing tables, running to the grocery store for my dad. You know, after he got out of, you know, the hotel, we had a, we had a, a diner, like a family diner in Mustang at one point. And that's all I did was scrub potatoes and all that. Yeah. So I worked my way through high school and college, graduated from OU, spent two and a half years in advertising. I was great at what I was doing. I was doing, you know, design work, but ultimately decided I kind of hated it. You know, <laughs> there was really no like true gratification. So I quit, moved to Chicago, came back. And that's when Kaiteki Ramen started and then Project Slurp and then Goro Gun and now Mother. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've been, uh, I've been a fan, uh, you know, from the, from the Kaiteki ramen days, I remember being so excited because you guys were, uh, really expanding on, uh, ramen in a way that Oklahoma hadn't seen before. Um, tell me a little bit, how did, how did that, uh, I, I guess I, I kind of wonder how you went from, uh, from Japanese, uh, and, and back to Lao food. What, what was it about? Um, uh, I mean, obviously there's a, a, a large Asian population in, uh, in Oklahoma city. Um, but, uh, but we haven't really seen your kind of Lao restaurant before. Yeah. So, you know, my entire experience as far as cooking goes, uh, has been in Japanese cuisine. I started in the dish pit at Sushineko when I was 16. So that was 20 years ago. And I just kind of fell in love with the cuisine and the culture and kept on, you know, learning about it. And I wanted to bring something new to OKC because we were already kind of saturated with, you know, sushi restaurants and uh, hibachi and ramen was lacking. So I wanted to bring ramen and then, eventually the izakaya doing yakitori because that was kind of unseen in Oklahoma as well. And then with Lao food, you know, uh, after getting the beard nom, I thought, you know, finally, I think it's finally time to go back to my roots. It's a concept I've always wanted to do even before Goro Ramen, but I wasn't ready yet. You know, um, I still needed to learn the culture. Yeah. I grew up eating it, but you know, our food is very funky and, uh, you know, there's funky aromatics and I was one of those kids that was kind of like embarrassed by the food, you know, sure. growing up and you hear this from other chefs too. But, you know, as I got older, I was like, you know what, I need to pay respect to my culture and to my family and really learn it and bring it to, you know, OKC and get everyone, um, 
I guess, open everyone's eyes to this food and this culture because it is underrepresented. But at the same time, the food packs so much flavor that it, it was something I wanted people to experience and enjoy because I enjoyed it a lot growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and, um, you know, having been to, to Madeira a few times, um, and, and I'm, uh, I'm sad that Nathan uh, wasn't able to join us on today's podcast because he's, he is also a Madeira super fan. <laughs> uh, but there are, it, it, it is a completely different dining experience uh, in some ways, uh, talk a little bit about the, the sticky rice. Cause I feel like that's something that, um, that, that is, is different enough that it, it might uh, trip up a few people. Yeah. So sticky rice, you know, is our, our rice of choice. We didn't really eat jasmine rice until, you know, the Vietnamese and the Thai, you know, coming in later on in, uh, after call uh, the French colon, uh, colonizing it. Yeah. But sticky rice is our rice of choice. If you don't have sticky rice, you really don't have complete Lao meal and sticky rice is a really glutinous rice. Uh, you don't steam it in water. You actually soak it overnight in water, put it into a bamboo basket and let the steam cook it from the bottom up and you cover the top. So it's steam. It's cooked, literally cooked with steam and not in water. Uh, but it's really glutinous and it is, uh, another name for it is also called sweet rice. So if you go to the store, uh, it'll either be sticky rice, glutinous rice, or sweet rice. And it is called sweet rice because there is, you know, a hint of sweetness to it. Yeah. But everything revolves around sticky rice. You know, uh, you use that to dip into your chili dips, uh, swoop up any like saucy, uh, protein or dish. It's kind of like, I would kind of like tortillas, you know? Uh, or, uh, or injera bread with, uh, Ethiopian food. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, that it, it is, it's, it's a really fun, um, <clears throat> it, it's, it's a really fun experience too, because I think one, the flavors are, um, they're very bold and they're very different, but, uh, you have, you and your staff have done a really great job, I think, at finding, the right balance to present real Lao food, but in a way that is um, accessible, I guess, to, mm -hmm. uh, to the Oklahoma palate that maybe isn't used to tasting some of those things. Yeah. And a, a lot of it is definitely education. I had to make sure staff was educated uh, so that they can educate our diners coming in. And as far as the food, you know, a lot of people have always asked me, are you, is this chefed up or are you going to chef it up? You know, <laughs> you know I, I feel like 90, 90 for 95% of the food, the dishes and the flavors are 100% authentic. And I've gotten that from, you know, our Lao patrons too, that come in, they're very pleased and excited and proud that I didn't steer away from Lao flavors. So what you're getting is pretty much really authentic. And I wanted to do that because this was the first time uh, Oklahomans were having Laotian food for the first time. And I didn't want to dumb it down or water it down. Yeah. Oh, I understand. I, yeah. The, the, um, the only other uh, Lao restaurant I'd been to seemed much more like a Thai restaurant in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you'll see that across the nation too, because of, you know, um, 
immigration from the Southeast to the U.S., uh, you'll see, you know, Lao families trying to open up a Lao restaurant, but they wouldn't be successful because no one knew what Lao was or where it was. Sure. So they would tack on, you know, this is Lao Thai or Thai Lao because a lot of people were, more people were familiar with Thai, the country of Thailand or Thai food. And that's the way they made it work. And the most, so Northern Thailand is going to be the most similar to Laos food. And so when you see that, you're going to get Northern Thai food. Um, if you're familiar with Pak Pak in Portland, that is Northern Thai and that's the closest to Lao food. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, uh, underrepresented as well. Cause you know, when you talk about Thai food, you think curries from Bangkok, you know, central mm-hmm. Thailand. Well, um, you know, one thing in the story uh, that Ben Lucian wrote um, that I really loved that story. And for anyone who hasn't uh, definitely go back and read, it's called the uh, it's on the website. It's called sticking together. Um, but one thing that, that, uh, that Ben talked about and you talked about in that story is the um, is, is how much it meant for your family to come in and, and taste the, the food from their table uh, being served to everybody. Yeah. You know, um, and that's one thing. So family, very proud and they're very, very proud and very happy with the outcome of the food. Uh, you know, it, they tell me it tastes just like home. And the other thing, um, I want to, uh, hit on is, you know, you hear about these chefs, like, Let's take David Chang and Roy Choi, for instance, you know, they'll say the same thing. Like growing up, they were kind of afraid or embarrassed by their food and they're kind of cooking from memory. Now, that's one thing I didn't want to do was cook from memory. My mom's still alive. You know, uh, my grandparents in Oregon are still alive. Uh, I wanted to cook side by side, learning from them and not, oh, how do I recreate this? You know, how, what did mom put in this when she was yes. alive? You know, I want to take advantage of that and, you know, really cook from the heart and learn from the source. And that's why I really wanted to do it now rather than later. Well, I, you know, the, the results really speak for themselves. Uh, listeners, if you haven't yet, you definitely need to get over to the Plaza District uh, and visit Ma Dare. It is uh, it, it, it's a really wonderful experience. And, and Jeff, uh, one thing I, I also wanted to touch on was uh, the James Beard Award nomination. Um, you know, Oklahoma has has really seen an uptick um, in in kind of our food recognition in the past uh, five or six years. But uh, what does it mean for for you to get that kind of recognition uh, that, that, uh, that, you know, kind of one of the most prestigious food organizations in the in the country is looking at you and, and saying, hey, this guy's got it. You know, it. It really means a lot because I've been in in this industry in this industry for so long and worked so hard to get to where I am now and to receive that recognition. Uh, it shows that I'm doing something right and receiving it. You know, bringing these restaurant concepts. I really wanted to bring do something for OKC and to get us on the map and receiving it. You know kind of reassures me that I'm going in the right direction and 
in putting OKC on the map and these cuisines on the map as well. Well, and, and uh, you know, um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Gone But Not Forgotten Gun uh, really was, I, I was blown away by that. And I was so happy and, and frankly, uh, like deeply gratified when, uh, when, um, when uh, oh, don't worry about it, when uh, Goro uh, started carrying the uh, eggplant dumplings uh, from, uh, from gun, because I, I, I'm, I've never been a, a vegan vegetarian guy. Um, you know, I'm happy to eat just about anything, but those eggplant dumplings, I, every time I'm just like it, I, I, I wouldn't have known there wasn't meat in there. It, there was so much flavor, uh, amazing texture. And, um, you know, it, it just, I feel like uh, whenever you visit a, a Jeff Chonchaloon restaurant, you're going to walk away tasting something uh, that you're going to want to talk about, that you're going to tell people about. I appreciate that. You know, that was, that was one of my favorite dishes. And a challenge for, for me is to kind of make people or force people to like something they never thought they liked or enjoyed. You know, thing, something can be an ingredient can be great if it's prepared a specific way yeah. to, you know, draw out the, the, I guess the best flavors of that ingredient. Well, it's, uh, it, you know, it's really a testament to the work that you've done. Um, I, I can, I can honestly say I have not ever had an experience where I've taken somebody, uh, whether it's to, to Goro or gun or Madere and afterwards, them saying like it's like uh you know it was okay uh, like every single time it's always like when are we going back uh my my fiance is obsessed uh with the uh, uh with some of the ramens uh over at goro i mean so am i but uh you know it's she's not someone who usually asks me for specific food from specific places and and this is one that she's like you know, it's on her list. It's like, uh, Ooh, you know what? We should, uh, maybe, maybe we can go by Goro. It's like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, folks, uh, if you, uh, once again, if you haven't yet, uh, please head over to the website and you can read, uh, the story about Ma Dare. It's called sticking together. It's in our, uh, in our food page. Uh, but also just, uh, take the time. It's worth the drive head down to the Plaza district in Oklahoma city uh, and you can visit Madere yourself and, and experience this, uh, this really great food. Jeff, thanks so much for, for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All I right. Flipping love that place. It's so it's really great. It is I, so I went good. to a, um, they had a special uh, uh, Cajun dinner uh, a few weeks ago uh, with, yeah, with uh, um it was a lot. It was a crawfish boil. Um, so good. But he had this amazing uh, carrot cake dessert that was just blew me away. So good. Uh, really, everything at Madere is great. But but when Jeff gets to really mess around with stuff, it's it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. It's now time to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly pod events. And first up this week is Megan. Well, did you know the cabaret show Nonsense originally was inspired by a series of wildly successful greeting cards that Dan Goggin 
created in the early 80s. Because they were so successful, he decided to create the play, which premiered in 1985. Since then, it's become a Broadway hit and has inspired sequels, spinoffs, and TV shows. And now between July 17th and the 31st, you can see it for yourself at the Grove Playmakers Theater. The plot follows five nuns who are the remaining survivors of an accidental fatal food poisoning at their convent. <laughs> they start, yeah, they start a cabaret show to raise money to pay for the cost of burying the last four of their dead fellow sisters. And as you may or may not expect, much music and hilarity ensue. <laughs> for more information, call... 918-786-8950 or visit the uh, Grove Playmakers Theater Facebook page. Nothing. I absolutely Nothing love like the that. idea that there's, it's like your favorite non-death play based on greeting cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just a nun's died in hilarity. Inspire a lot of comedy. <laughs> oh, Nate, what's your event this week? Uh, well, you could say that there are ghosts at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, I know I feel haunted every time I go there, and I'm not talking about all the poor choices I made as a graduate student. Uh, I'm talking about the national championships the Sooners should have had, like in 1911 when Princeton was the national champion, but Oklahoma clearly the dominant squad, and we only didn't don't have the national championship from 1911 because the media are a bunch of East Coast elites there. I said it. <laughs> Uh, that season, no team, no team in 1911 scored a touchdown on the Sooners at all, right? Um, or in 1954, when every poll except the AP had the Sooners number one for the majority of the season, and they won the Natty the next two years. And it is widely agreed across sports historians that Oklahoma should have been the national champion in 1954. Or in the realm of things it's possible to actually remember, does anybody else recall that USC beat us for the Natty in 2005 and then later had that Natty taken away? Yeah. Yes. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> but, but... These will not be the hauntings that you will experience if you sign up for the University of Oklahoma Ghost Tour on Wednesday, July 20th. You won't be going in search of the, the ghosts of trophies past, but of actual dead people and spooky things that may or may not be haunting the campus. One of our favorite ghost hunters and occasional Oklahoma Today contributor, Jeff Provine, will lead this tour. And if you're ever going to go on a ghost tour in Oklahoma, he's the dude to go on it with. He's awesome. Uh, he will lead this tour of all the mysteries of the Norman campus, which is free to the public, but it does require registration. Uh, the whole thing it happens after dark, so the heat won't be too bad, and it only lasts about 75 minutes. So you you got plenty of time to head to Pizza Shuttle or whatever other Norman restaurant you care to uh, visit after you are uh, done encountering ghosts or not encountering them. Um, email tour at ou.edu, T-O-U-R at ou.edu, or call 405-325-2151 for more info. All right. Carly Ybarra, what's your event this week? Well, we've talked a lot about him lately, but Bass Reeves deserves all of the publicity and then some. Not only was he the first African-American commissioned as a U.S. Deputy Marshal west of the Mississippi in one of the most violent areas and time periods in history, I might add, Reeves' entire life sounds like the plot of the most amazing Western film ever produced. 
He even arrested his own son at one point, which you can read all about in Bass Unmasked by Karash Lansana current, in the current July-August issue. Shameless plug there. Um, but if reading about this real-life superhero only gets your curiosity flowing, you can fully immerse yourself in his life at the Bass Reeves Western History Conference. From July 21st to 23rd, the Three Rivers Museum in Muskogee will host speakers, including Bob Bell, Executive Director of True West Magazine, territorial reenactors, interactive tours, documentaries, and more. One of my favorite Oklahoma authors, Jonita Mullins, will probably be there too, so say hi for me. <laughs> Guests are encouraged to don their favorite Western or territorial wear so they can really get into that turn-of-the-century spirit. Registration for all three days is $135, but there are also single-day tickets available for $65. Call 918-686-6624 or visit 3, as in the numeral 3, River museum.com for more info all right what do you got with greg i don't know everything about trip haggard but i do know a little he's an oklahoma city native and in 2009 he founded the oklahoma championship steak cook-off to raise money for local nonprofits. as far as legacies goes that's the kind i'd like to have so uh, I wanted you all to know that this year is the first Trip Haggard Memorial Steak Cook-Off in Tulsa. Yes, we lost Trip a few years ago, but steak is immortal. So on July 23rd, grill masters from across the region will come to Siggy's Sausage Factory in Tulsa to compete to make the best steak and possibly qualify for the Steak Cook-Off Association World Championships. Come hungry and thirsty because there's food, mixed drinks and beer and more available for purchase and a bevy of local musicians playing live to help while away the afternoon and your meat sweats prize winners could take home as much as a thousand dollars for the best steak of the day visit steakcookoffs.com and search for trip that's t-r-i-p-p haggard to enter and for more information that sounds like fun uh right i mean any excuse to go to siggy's speaking of locally owned restaurants yes also any excuse to eat more steak so i'm not i I don't need an excuse i just have a bunch of reasons (laughs) well the sound of uh us firmly putting the cap back on the a1 steak sauce because you don't need it folks uh means that the oklahoma today podcast is coming to a close join us again next week or if you just can't get enough head to oklahomatoday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now including i might add Bass Unmasked by Koresh uh, Ali Lansana. A really great, really great story. Uh, Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com, and we will talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today Magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit OklahomaToday.com. Goodbye. Steak.